Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cantina MX podcast. This is Albert Campa. This is episode 223. Welcome. Here solo for tonight. But we got a lot to talk about. As we mentioned last week, we have the final final jornada of the Liga MX season. And uh, it's going to come down to the wire for uh, quite a handful of teams to qualify for Liga. We have Chivas, Pachuca, Pumas, and Tijuana all below Monterrey for that eighth spot. Uh, even Atlas a little bit there. And some key matchups that we talked about. But let's, uh, first of all, let's go into a little bit of the Mexican national team. A lot of people are... We had two uh, two games with Mexico playing in Mexico against Panama and Bermuda, the final two games, and they have qualified undefeated. They had a little bit of scare, a scare against Bermuda, but were able to get past it. So a lot of people think this is a waste of time, that this cup is, you know, there's no interest in it. Uh, Toluca had a good showing of fans and a pretty good environment there for supporting the national team. So let's, uh, let's look into this a little bit. So we have Mexico initially. Let me bring up the matchups. So Mexico played. Panama was able to get another pretty convincing, pretty convincing win. Then they were able to play Bermuda, and this is where it got a little tricky. Uh, this game was, was pretty much everything was in the bag. They did have, Mexico did put out quite a bit of their good players. Uh, Chicharito wasn't there, of course. Uh, Raul Jimenez was on the bench, uh, but then later came on uh, as things were getting a little bit tight. Mexico was uh, scored on, and then tied it up, and it looked like it was going to be tied for the remainder of the game, but they were able to come back and uh, Uriel Antuna was able to get the game winner. Uh, no big deal. A lot of people were making a big deal of if this is such a... if people were hating on this tournament and this you know, was a waste of time playing against these lesser teams, uh, what, what do you have to say now that Bermuda almost got a, a result against Mexico, a, a giant of a team? Uh, and I don't really see the argument there. The the Mexican national team, you know, they're going to play down to whatever level they're playing to a certain extent. They're going to have the mindset of walking into the stadium to play Bermuda and assume that just by walking out there, they're going to win the game. Now, that's of course, isn't true. They still have to play. But the interest, the intensity is, of course, not going to be there against this type of opponent. That's why it's a waste of time. 
if they fail and they do not get, uh, uh, if even if they were to to lose or you know they were close to tying, even if they were to lose to to a Bermuda, it doesn't legitimize this uh, tournament or make it not a waste of time or make it seem like these teams have caught up to Mexico, which is totally ridiculous. I saw a tweet, I think, by John Arnold uh, sort of claiming that, and I immediately called that out because Mexico can, you know, every dog has its day. Mexico can lose uh, to a Panama, to a Bermuda, Curaçao, whatever, on any given day. It doesn't mean that the Mexican national team is in deep trouble or that they should take these tournaments serious and they should stop, you know, thinking that they can play the Germany, the Brazils and Argentinas of the world and just stick down to these lesser teams. That's not the case at all. Now, Mexico, of course, is not in the league of these European teams or South American teams, but they can compete. They can uh, maybe not play against these types of big uh, teams, but they can get results as they have in even the World Cup, the last World Cup against a, uh, against a Germany who was, of course, eliminated in the group stages. So that whole argument and the whole, like, here, I got you now, look, Mexico can't, uh, are barely, you know, toughed out a result against a Bermuda, doesn't hold water, doesn't make any sense at all. You know they could have lost. Mexico could have lost. That would have wouldn't have meant anything. We can look at the points of Group B where Mexico. I'm showing it here on the screen. Mexico had 12 points. Panama had three. Bermuda had three. If Mexico would have lost, they would have still had a very comfortable lead going into the next stage, which they are through to the next stage, which will happen next year in June. Mexico will play Costa Rica. Honduras will play the United States, and then uh, the final will be uh, in June as well. There's a third-place match even for this uh, tournament. Can you believe that? Sometimes these slasher tournaments don't even have uh, a third-place match. Imagine imagine playing a third-place match for uh, this type of tournament. Uh, obviously, the uh, the predictions are going to be Mexico versus the United States in the final and then a Costa Rica-Honduras third-place match, which will, I imagine, be very uh, followed very lightly and not very much watched. But we will see. So that's the, the national team. I think uh, Uriel Antuna is getting a lot of hype. Uh, he was talked of going to Chivas. He did a... Uh, he did some good, you know, I like him as a player. I think he's got some skills. There's also been instances like with the Galaxy where he has shown a lack of skills. So uh, there's another uh, Calderon who is uh, rumored that I think it's not even just a rumor. It's a, a done deal that he will be going to uh, Chivas. You know, that's might be exciting to some. I don't see a lot of hype so far by the fans. But even if it does happen, um, you know, I don't see this being a big deal. Chivas is still, I think, going to struggle. They're still, you know, barely making it into Liguilla if they can. Or, I mean, I, I've called it already. They're not making it to Liguilla. This is going to require Atlas to have to beat 
Monterrey, which uh, is not going to happen. So this uh, this Chivas team is still going to struggle. They're going to get you know, have to get the right amount of players and the right combination of players to get in to the team, and uh, those reforces are going to have to be key. So let's. Uh, I think there's enough about the Nations League. We know. We know how that's going. I don't think, uh, you know, that's too exciting. The national team was able to play. It's always fun to watch the, the players on the national team, the up-and-coming players. That's that's one thing I will say that the Nations League is good for, is to see these younger players. And another thing I mentioned was that Tata Martino has been rotating. He made, you know, a huge rotate, a lot of it rotation, a lot of adjustments into the lineups where... Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio was getting a criticism for his rotations, and uh, that's not the case, of course, here with Tata in this tournament. And then you can compare, well, this tournament is no Copa America, and that's correct. This tournament is no Copa America. That's why it's a lesser tournament. That's why it's a waste-of-time tournament. So duly noted as a waste-of-time tournament, of course, they're going to be able to use lesser players, um, check out some of the younger players and not worry about, you know, oh, we're playing Bermuda. we got to put our A team, we got to put our top players as if we're going to the Copa America or World Cup. No, we're playing Bermuda. We're playing Panama. Just put in whoever. Put in these younger guys, these uh, these guys that, uh, that get to see how they pan out, see if they give them some experience. Uh, they... I'll put in my man from uh, Querétaro, Luis Romo. Uh, I think he's a pretty good player. He 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 seemed to not have the confidence out there. I believe he made one mistake with uh, Portero and uh, turned his turned his head away from the pass and almost cost Mexico a, a goal. Sort of created a dangerous opportunity. Uh, I don't. And then there was some switching of positions. I believe with if. Uh, uh, with Alvarez in the back line. So, uh, you know, not the best performance from Luis Montes, but uh, he, he's definitely still a great a great player to watch. So another thing that's coming up is the, uh, the, the announcement of the MLS All-Star game. <laughs> so a lot of hype. A lot of people are liking it. A lot of people have even, you know, talked about their starting lineup for MLS versus Liga MX All-Star Game. It's going to happen next year. Uh, Enrique Bonilla was in the, had a press conference in uh, Los Angeles, I believe, and talked a little bit about it. Uh, you know, this it's sort of like a you know, a big a big thing for certain people. Um, a lot of people don't see it as a big deal. I don't see it as a big deal. I like separation between League MX and MLS. And let me explain a little bit about this. League MX doesn't need MLS as far as talent, as far as help with 
soccer and how to run soccer and gain talent, MLS has not been able to generate skilled players that can make it in Europe, that can um, do well in their clubs, in the CONCA champions, and in tournaments like this, the way Mexico has. MLS needs to, needs to learn from Mexico, needs to learn from Liga MX on how to gain talent. Now, I will say MLS is good at marketing, is good at creating a website, is good at business dealings and things like that, social media exposure and, and all of that. Um, Mexico is good at creating talent because uh, soccer is the strong sport in Mexico. It is not the strong sport in the United States. Uh, Joel says the uh, this deal might not be a big deal, but it's a step in the right direction as far as garnering more interest from Mexicans in the U.S. to follow MLS. Now this goes back to Mexicans in the U.S. to follow MLS. Why do Mexicans need to follow MLS? Uh, that's you know that's that doesn't make sense. I, I think he's coming from a point of view where a Mexican needs to follow MLS because Mexicans who cannot make it into Liga MX have a chance to go to MLS. Mexicans who are on the bench or in the Ascenso in, in, in Mexico can go to MLS and maybe get some starting positions. MLS, as far as talent, if they end up you know, gaining money and being able to pay high salaries to South American players. I can see South American players bypassing Mexico because the salaries in the U.S. are better. And they can go to MLS teams, get paid better, and increase the quality of the league. But this is foreigners in MLS. This is not the United States uh, players homegrown in the U.S., like a Landon Donovan or like a Jordan Morris or uh, Clint Dempsey making MLS great. It's the South Americans, the money, bringing these guys, paying these guys to, to bypass Liga MX and go to MLS. That is the only way that MLS bypasses Liga MX is by paying money. Now... MLS is going to end up having to have majority foreigners on their lineups. Like I can see, you complain about Liga MX having majority foreigners or EPL having all these foreigners in their clubs where there's like one local guy on a club or two. Uh, that that could very well be a high probability, and then you're going to have a problem of where is the U.S. national team going to get their players from if MLS does it. All they have are South Americans. All they have are these Mexican uh, Mexicans that come from Mexico to play. The Americans have no chance to play. The only place they, they get to go is maybe to a lesser league in Europe. One of the lower tier leagues in Europe has, you know, it's been historically seen from the U.S. national team players. So there's really no, uh, you know, no bright spots I see for uh, the MLS or for the, the United States national team. This uh, this all-star game is just a money grab. It's going to be played, of course, in the United States. Guarantee. They'll be able to charge dollars. They'll be able to make money off it. 
from all the fans who, of course, are going to want to see Liga mixed clubs. You'll have some uh, guys that go to watch, of course, the LMLS players, maybe the Carlos Vela, the next retired guy that comes from Europe to play for uh, an MLS side and then eventually make the All-Star team. That's the main reason to go to an All-Star game, is to see the uh, whoever they play, the Tottenham or the club that they, uh, Atletico Madrid, whoever they play, that's who. That's the main attraction. The All Stars from the MLS isn't really the main attraction, and that's pretty, you know, pretty sad. And that's not a league that you want to emulate. That Mexico wants to, you know, glob onto and try to partner with. Mexico needs to do their own innovation, do their own. Uh, promotion a lot better inside their country to make Liga MX better, to make the quality of play better to where the South Americans, you know, may find competitive salaries in MLS, but the quality of the league, the opportunities of tournaments that Liga MX plays in will be a lot higher, and that'll be the decision maker for these South Americans to go to Liga MX. They have the language as well. Instead of MLS, they'll be able to go to a Liga MX that has their language, that has competitive salaries with MLS, maybe not better than MLS, but a Liga MX that plays against the best such as Libertadores, South American clubs, Boca Juniors, all these clubs, and not just go to a Conca Champions and then just demolish uh, MLS teams, which has been a history. You see Gignac and all these guys, uh, even Chivas, go and beat MLS teams, and it's just the norm. It happens every year. MLS cannot beat Liga MX in these tournaments. Now, a lot has been, or one uh, mention on Twitter has also been about, okay, what if MLS, Liga MX, were going to partner with Conmebol uh, and their clubs? and make a huge uh, club tournament or club all-star game between maybe MLS, Liga MX, and Colmebol players. Maybe mix them all together or figure out some way to, you know, make a, make a captain pick, pick their players from uh, top to bottom like you do in the schoolyard. Uh, that you know that could be exciting for not just Mexican Americans and Mexicans and then the few Americans that watch soccer, but also you have like your Argentinians, your uh, Brazilians, or uh, Paraguayans that aren't in the United States, which are a lot fewer than the Mexicans. So that's just uh, you know just something that's not really. You know, it's interesting. You know, I'll definitely watch it. I might even want to go over there and watch it, you know, live. But it's not something that, you know, it's it's sort of like pitiful. It's sort of sad. It's like, we don't want to see this. We don't want uh, you pandering to Mexicans just to try to get 
dollars in ticket sales just to try to get my dollars and take them away and use them to hype up your little uh, spectacle. Your little spectacle because you know Mexicans are going to go and watch the uh, the game. They're going to go and watch their Gignacs. They're going to go and watch Pulido. They're going to go and watch uh, uh, Pizarro and all these guys. They're, you know, however they're selected to be all-stars for Liga MX to go play against the gringos, which aren't really gringos because you got Carlos Vela on one side. You would have had uh, Slatan, uh, Piti Martinez, uh, all these guys that are there in the maybe okay Jordan Morris you'll have Jordan Morris uh, you'll have all these guys matched up in an all-star type of thing oh, and then maybe they you know maybe have a mic'd you might have Tuca mic'd I've, I saw a comment of what if Tuca was mic'd how interesting would that be it's just a clown show it's just a, a circus it's all it is um, so yes, it's going to get in a circus, it gains attraction. It's a freak show. It gains attraction. And sure. It's the, the greatest, uh, you know, you know, something that's great that people are going to want to see, but it's, uh, I wouldn't pay for it. Maybe I'm that guy like on the, the greatest showman who's like hating the freak show that he puts out, but that it gains attraction and, and, uh, everyone goes and wants to see the bearded woman sing and stuff. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess the point is I, I have a sense of pride in Liga MX in Mexican soccer to where I don't necessarily want to see uh, this type of union to sort of depend on a rival nation, on a rival uh, league even, just to make money, just to use the fact that Mexicans live in the United States, have dollars, and are willing to fork over their money to watch this. And this goes to uh, the comments that are out there about Liga MX in the future, you know, not being promoting in English, not promoting social media-wise the league and their teams very well, to it becoming, to Liga MX becoming irrelevant in the next few years. Uh, what does relevant mean? As long as Mexicans are immigrating to the United States and live in the United States, you know, Mexicans that, you know, that are older and have just come from Mexico, that still have that connection with their, their fan, their, uh, you know, their home team in Guadalajara, in Chivas, or in America, or Cruz Azul, as long as those Mexicans are migrating to the United States, they will watch the national team, they will watch their club team on TV on Univision. Those ratings will still be high when America plays Chivas in the United States. And that'll continue as long as that exists, that fan base exists. Now their children who are Mexican-Americans born in the U.S., that fan base there is going to be less because maybe they won't speak English, maybe they won't gain the love for their club, their parents' club team as as their parents did. They might like other sports, and they might, you know, that, that fan base diminishes. So the promotion of Mexican League and Mexican national team in English is important to gather those guys, but you're still going to gather very few. There's still going to be few and far between of those children who, oh, they see Mexican League spoken in English. 
but it's only on a podcast here and there. It's only on Twitter or it's only on social media. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's worth it. It doesn't cost much because there's not a specific channel or uh, expenses in, in that type of medium where there's a channel on TV that's specifically for Mexican soccer and English. But, you know, that you're just, you see somebody tweet about it, you see a Facebook page about about it, and then that's pretty much it. Even the Univision, Univision trying to broadcast games on Facebook Live in English, that sort of, you know, went away a little bit. So... Uh, the, the the value is not even not not highly there. It's not a big huge market, uh, so irrelevant. I don't see that really happening. So next week or tomorrow, actually, we have some good matchups that we can look at here. And we talked about this last week on the podcast with. Uh, Chivas and their chances, and Pumas as well. They have to, uh, Pumas of course has to beat uh, Pachuca. Chivas is pretty surely will beat Veracruz, but the matchup to watch is the Monterrey Atlas game. The Atlas has to beat Monterrey, that's going to happen on Saturday night, so that's the, that's the one to watch. We also have Tijuana. Tijuana has an opportunity. They they uh, they will play Leon, which is going to be tough. Uh, so, yeah, let's look out for for those matchups. No, don't have uh, too many homies on the uh, on the pod tonight, but hopefully next time we uh, broadcast, we'll be able to talk more and have a more in depth discussion. So this is just a short podcast that uh, I just wanted to get on and talk a little bit about the. Ridiculous MLS Liga MX All Star Game. Uh, I don't, I don't like it too much, but sure, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a freak show, a circus type of thing that people are going to go and watch. And I'll, you know, I'll be one of them, just like I'm one of them here, doing podcasts of Mexican soccer in English. It's, uh, it's fun. It's enjoyable, but it's not the ideal situation. The ideal situation that I want is for Liga MX teams to go play the best teams in the Americas, which is Conmebol, Libertadores. I want Mexican uh, Mexican team to beat and win in Libertadores, and then that will be the uh, the ideal situation. And then maybe even later on they can go and win in uh, in a tournament such as in Europe, the Club's World Cup. Well, thanks you guys for listening and uh, stay tuned for next week some some more coverage. I plan on doing some videos on some quick videos on certain topics and things that uh, come about, especially like tweets and. And commentary that goes on, just some some uh, feedback and commentary on certain things that happens. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys. Oh, before I go, Luis, what's up, Tigres? Wage bill is close to fifty. Salary cap is two hundred. MLS salary cap. Okay, this is some interesting information from Luis. 
Tigres' wage bill is close to 50 to 70 million. NFL salary cap is 200 million. MLS salary cap is 4 million. MLS is a Mickey Mouse league. <laughs> to air English language Liga MX broadcast on terrestrial TV is the next step for that. Yes, that's so English language Liga MX broadcasting on terrestrial TV is the next step for that. Yeah, that's what that's what I was mentioning. Like if if English language coverage of Mexican soccer was really huge, Univision or Telemundo would have a channel for that. Fox did it a long time ago. Uh, they had that uh, Hondureño, I think. He speaks uh, English, and he was broadcasting along with someone else in English. I think it was Liga MX games. Uh, and then, you know, it was on the ESPN, I believe, or no, Fox, and then, you know, that didn't get too much coverage. Univision shows the Facebook Live, and everyone in the chat was saying, like, why is this in English? They were, you know, they're speaking Spanish and saying, ¿Por qué está en inglés esto? And so that, that was like, you know, there's, yeah, a few, a few people would speak English, but it was mostly, and of course, Univision is a Spanish-speaking channel, so you sort of expect Spanish speakers to connect to their Facebook Live and then watch League MX, only to find out that it's in English. That sort of went away. Uh, the demand, I think, from English-language Mexican soccer is just not there. The majority of English-speaking Americans, of course, are you know, white Americans. They're not Mexican-Americans. The Mexican-Americans who do only speak English and do not speak Spanish have Amer you know obviously are Americanized so much to where they, I doubt they even like uh, uh, soccer. The Mex if a Mexican American does not speak English or does not speak Spanish, highly it's highly probable that they do not like soccer. So the English language demand for its own TV channel to be broadcasted for coverage of Mexican soccer, of Liga MX games. Uh, I do not see it there. I think Mundos, which was a, a part of Telemundo, also had, like, it wasn't coverage of soccer, but it was, like, Mexican news and, like, like uh, actors news, no, uh, novella information and stuff in English. Uh, it was sort of like Spanglish. But that thing died away. I think that went away pretty quickly as well. So the uh, the main thing are these Mexicans that you know either have just arrived to Mexico or are, have strong ties still to Mexico that are the ones turning on Univision that maybe don't even speak English or yeah English very well. They're they're the ones that are turning turning on Univision. They're the ones that are going and taking their kids to watch these uh, Mexico friendlies, the Moleros, or even the Liga MX club friendlies that are in the United States. Uh, those are the guys that are that are doing this. Uh, not the not the Pochos, not the Mexican-Americans. There are some Mexican-Americans, yes. There's a handful. But those are the ones that are, like, forced to speak Spanish at home, that are, like, uh, that are brought up with the Mexican culture strongly imposed upon them. Uh, maybe their their dad has the Club America blanket <laughs> that he goes to sleep with. So the kids, of course, they're they're in they're 
you know, they're deeply involved and they have it all around them of Mexican culture, of Mexican soccer. And so maybe they're, you know, they still have Spanish, they still have the love of soccer, and, you know, that's that's how the Mexican-American does gain, uh, you know, a passion for Mexican soccer still. Uh, but then you have the kid of that, the kids, the children of that Mexican-American, which is even less likely to, you know, have that passion. So it, you know, it takes work. It takes work to teach your kids a love for your hobby, for your passion, and pass that down on to the, to the kids. Um, so less and less is what I'm saying. As generations pass, we'll have that passion for soccer in the first place. Uh, especially when you see even Major League Baseball uh, blowing up, NFL talk, you know, trending all over the place, uh, NBA with LeBron and all this stuff, and then you have ESPN with all the all the talk, which is just covered of all the NBA, all the uh, everything, NFL, all the latest things that happens, the guy getting hit by the helmet, uh, Ka- Kaepernick drama, the you know, the, do you remember our test fighting in the stands in the NBA and all this stuff is is what trends in ESPN. You don't see an ESPN, you know, Gignac scoring a goal. You don't see an ESPN Chivas lighting it up or is Chivas going to make Ligia on ESPN in English. You don't see that at all because the demand is not there. They leave that for ESPN Deportes. For picante, they can talk about that. So, I've gone on a little longer, ranted a little longer, but uh, thanks for thanks for listening, thanks to the viewers, thanks to Luis. Uh, we will be uh, continuing coverage, continuing on the on my Twitter. I tend to post mostly. I need to post a little bit more on the cantina, but uh, we will check you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in.